Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Livia Martinez and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we're discussing Misery. This movie is kind of from the vault. It's from 1990. It's a Rob Reiner film starring Kathy Bates and the late James Caan, who very recently passed away. So we decided to watch this movie because it's one of his most famous roles. And I've seen all of his other famous roles, you know, Sonny Corleone and the dad and elf. <laughs> Brian's song a long time ago. And I like, it might've been 1970. You know, he was a, a, a big 70s, 1970s actor. Yeah. Rollerball, Thief. There were some other films he made. He was always an action star. But Misery really is probably in the top three of his most famous roles. And I'd never seen it. I've always heard great things about it. So I was excited to see it. And I was amazed by how good it is. It, it holds up. Don't y'all think? It does. It holds up really well. I think because the main characters, first of all, there are very few main characters yeah. and the most of the action takes place in a small room. So there aren't that many things to age it. And it's, it's kind of an insular movie, right? Right. Because there's just not, again, yeah, not much to age it. And it's in literally a singular room. And Kathy Bates and James Conner are basically the only people in the movie the whole time. And they're both really good actors. And well, the there script. are a few other yeah. actors. But yeah, they're, yeah, I would say 95%. Well, they're in every scene practically. What's or, interesting yeah. is that Lauren Bacall was still kicking around back then. And she, was, she played uh, Jimmy Conn. That's what I call him, Jimmy Conn. She played his agent, and that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I see what you mean. It's almost like a play, like it's two people in a room. And I'm and surprised they haven't made this into a play, or have they? I don't know. I've never heard that it has been. But you would. But I guess there was maybe there it, the horror angle maybe works against it on the stage. It'd be lost. Yeah, it was almost a play, but it wasn't. Interesting. Well, this m movie comes from the Stephen King novel, Misery. And this is a really personal book for Stephen King. And surprisingly, Mr. King himself actually liked this Rob Reiner adaptation. You know, he is very notoriously hates The Shining, which is made by the great Stanley Kubrick. And he hates a lot of the other film adaptations of his work. But he liked Misery, and I mean, we do too. And I think that Kathy Bates really just stole the show. Well, he liked it so much. He liked her performance so much that he wrote Dolores Claiborne for her. Jeez. You know? Really? With yeah. her in mind. And also, he, uh, in The Stand, which is one of his famous books, most famous books, really epic story about post-apocalyptic... Has that been a film? Yes, it's been a couple of films, yeah. Oh. And it was... Um, a pandemic as well, right? That's That was part of it. Um, he wrote a role for her into that because he just thought she was great. And she was. She was amazing. She was, she was incredible. Mean, she, the, the character, which was written by Stephen King, is a great character. But she just takes it over and is completely believable. And I think that's something that really helped this film is that Kathy Bates was... Ex basically unknown before this film. And, you know, she went to SMU, which is in our hometown of Dallas, Texas. And so she was, yeah, she was just an unknown actress and she's not the stereotypical looking actress. No, not especially good, in this. Yes, yeah, she certainly wasn't the most glamorous, but that fit the character perfectly. Well, one go back, apparently it was a play on Broadway. Oh, really? And Bruce Willis played, uh, Paul Sheldon was the name he'd of the, the actor. Yeah, he would be pretty good. But Paul, uh, Bruce Willis was one of several actors who were offered the lead. You want to hear the rest? Sure. Warren Beatty, Robert De Niro, 
Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, Harrison Ford, Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, William Hurt, Kevin Klein, Al Pacino, Robert Redford, Denzel Washington, and Bruce Willis. Oh Again, my God. Bruce Willis played in the theater, but not, not in the movie. And you wonder. Was James Conn the bottom of the barrel for them? Well, I don't know, because he was pretty he's a pretty big star, yeah, not not as big as, as any of those were at that time, maybe. But I've heard though that sometimes that this is an example this movie is an example of a role that actors sometimes don't like to play. I mean, apparently actors kind of feel uncomfortable taking on a role that makes them look weak or maybe makes them look any kind of negative image. And I think that this particular role, the the James Caan character is at some point, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to really, I guess, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's, I, we're going to have some spoilers in It's 30 in this. years old. Go watch it. It's on yes, HBO Max. Yes. But there certainly is particularly one occurrence in the film that demonstrates how powerless this author is. And maybe a lot of the top actors of the day felt uncomfortable becoming, becoming that weak looking. And I mean, we have not even explained... We keep saying he's an author, but yeah, we, we need sh- to say... We should mention the plot, right? Yeah. So... Author Paul Sheldon, he's basically like a Stephen King, or no, no. He's a romance author. Yes, and he is writing this one series that he's just not proud of at all, uh, but he just keeps writing it because it keeps selling, and it's called Misery. And it's after the heroine named Misery Chastain. And that is brilliant because I who was named Misery? That's a ridiculous (laughs) name, but it's a great name for this film and for that character because it fits so well. And essentially, James Caan, Paul Sheldon, the author, he gets in a car accident in Colorado. It's very snowy. I don't know why he didn't check the weather before he left. And he's driving, isn't he driving like a Camaro or a Mustang or something that's really bad in the He's on a cliff and all this. But anyway, he gets in this car wreck and then this nice woman, or so we think she's nice, comes and saves his life. And then when Paul Sheldon wakes up from this car accident and all that, he's in this warm house, you know, his... Clothes are changed, he has some food, all that. He's getting well taken care of by this woman who happens to be his number one fan that she claims that. And I think she shows, she proves her loyalty to him. She is definitely obsessed with the Misery series. And she's very nice at first. At first. Yes, you just kind of think, okay, maybe she's a little odd, but he's so lucky to have been rescued by this woman and... And she shows her devotion to him. And and just to kind of go back to what he's famous for, probably the the author is a lot like Stephen King in the sense you, you get the idea that everybody knows him. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we really have any authors like that right now who are almost celebrities because their books are so famous and sell so much. Maybe somebody like J.K. Rowling yeah. where people really know her name and really kind of know what she looks like and I don't but I mean I think for Annie who is the rescuer it's just her dream come true that this this handsome great author has landed on her doorstep I know I think it'd be kind of the equivalent of me rescuing well let me think like Wes Anderson from a car accident or something I would be so excited and I do, would not do the things that she does to Paul in this film. 
but yeah. And she's a nurse, so she's nursing him back to health at first. And she really is helping yeah, him out, she helps you know? Him. She saves his life. Yeah, right? he has a broken femur, he has a broken arm, he has all these issues, and she's helping him out. And she's thrilled to find that he has a manuscript in his car, because the, the movie starts by showing him finishing up a book and talking to his agent in New York, Lauren Bacall, about um, about his this exciting new book. And the way he describes it is it's sort of a step away from misery and it's going to be his chance to really show himself as a, as a great writer. But um, when Annie starts reading the manuscript, then things start going downhill. She doesn't approve of foul language. And that's a common theme throughout the movie because she never cusses and she always uses these weird words to like substitute for a cuss word. And yeah, that is when things start going downhill very quickly. Some weird things with some fire. It's, it's a little messy. And that's part of why I think it's such an entertaining movie because it really is, I guess, classified as a horror film, but it really has such some really funny moments. And some of the funniest are when, yeah, when Annie is the phrases she uses to express her, her dislike of, certain people or some of the things that Paul is up to. And something Annie loves, which is also kind of humorous, is Liberace. And there's a great line or something. She's like, you like Liberace? And Paul's like, oh yeah, sure. And this is by the time he knows Annie's a little cuckoo. And she just like, I'm going to play him for you. And it's just ridiculous. And there are so many scenes that take place in this bedroom that you feel claustrophobic with Paul. It's really excellent direction, honestly, because you just, you understand Paul's pain and you just want him to get out. But then when he does get out of that one room, which he does a few times, it's the most stressful few minutes of your life. He's in a wheelchair. He's trying to get around, trying to find a phone. It's just, it's a mess and it's so stress inducing. And I just think it's so excellently done. Yes. So we mentioned uh, she reads the manuscript. She doesn't approve of the foul language and doesn't quite get the story. But in the meantime, the final edition of the Misery Chastain series comes out. That's when things really go south. Yes, that's his, yeah, that's when the we know that Paul is going to be in big trouble as soon as she reads or finishes that that novel. And she finishes it, and it does not go well. At all. <laughs> no, it does not. Let's just put it this way. You've had 30 years to see this. Do not listen to what I'm about to say because I'm going to spoil it for you. But he kills off Misery Chastain and she's not having any of it. <laughs> she, she cannot understand why he would kill this greatest character. And she's alive to her and he kills her. And she decides to do the world a favor by basically forcing him into writing a new novel that brings her back to life. It's an ins- she's holding this man hostage to write a new novel. It's and he does it cuz he has to. He's desperate and he can't really move still because he's so badly injured. And at one point when it seems like he is getting better, um that's when the most, I guess, horror gruesome scene, gruesome scene comes along which uh, it's probably even if you haven't seen Misery, I think you've probably, if you watch movies or watch the Oscars or watch anything that shows clips from famous movies, I have a feeling most people have seen this scene where Annie 
decides to find a way to keep Paul from leaving. And it involves, a, what is that, a sledgehammer? Yes. And a piece of wood yes. in his feet. Yes. It's terrifying. I didn't think she would actually go through with it because, of course, I have also seen that scene before, but I never see what actually happens. And, oh, my gosh, the ankles. It was gross. I know, and he was getting better. Remember, he was about he to was. be able to walk because that's the thing. He's, in, he's entirely confined to a bed. And, and didn't you say you read something about this is a, an analogy to Stephen King's issues at the time that he was yeah, going I've through some things? The, I think it was this movie that they said that he, Stephen King, had battled some addictions and some problems with maybe painkillers or um, other drugs, and that he kind of saw Annie almost as a as a metaphor mm-hmm. for um, for these these drugs that kind of held him hostage. That's super interesting. And I need to rewatch the movie with knowing that now, because I bet that there would be a lot of signs of that. And Liv, what do you think? Did this have elements of whatever happened to baby Jane a little bit? Did that remind you a little bit of that film, that ancient Joan Crawford, Betty Davis thing yeah, that we watched? Yeah, it did. And I think a lot of weird horror movies with female antagonists are like whatever happened to baby Jane just kind of where people are trapped and in that case Joan Crawford was in a wheelchair and she couldn't go anywhere and she was dependent on this oh that's so true I didn't even think about that yeah interesting I know I hadn't thought about that either but that's a good comparison yeah like your captor even if they're looking after you they're still like in control of what you eat and sort of a love-hate relationship and let's just go back to Kathy Bates for a second so she won the Academy Award for this film and it was the first horror movie best actor or actress award ever given and oh my gosh she deserves it so much she just was that character I don't know how she did it and also I think she may be the only I think this movie in winning the best actress Mm -hmm. um, Oscar I think that may be the only time that a Stephen King um, inspired movie has won one of the major Academy Awards. Don't sh- I mean you should check me on that. Don't don't believe me, but I think that may be the case. So I mean Shawshank didn't even. Yeah. I don't believe so. As great as that is, I mean there have been some great Stand by Me. There have been some great movies made from Stephen King. It's books. funny you mentioned Stand by Me because Rob Reiner made that right before this one, and Stephen King liked that, so he agreed to Misery becoming a film, but only if Rob Reiner was involved as a producer or a director. Oh, okay. So it makes, that sense. makes sense. You know, it shows that. And he probably gave Stephen King more of a say, maybe in how the film was made. Yeah. How the script was developed. Oh man, a running theme on Strange Love, but the winner, the year of Shawshank Redemption for Best Picture was. Can you guys guess? Nineteen ninety-five. My left foot. Mom's favorite actor now. Philadelphia. Close. Forrest Gump. Forrest oh, Gump. Mama no, loves yes. her Tom Hanks all of a sudden. No, I do not. But like... yeah, to think that beat Shawshank. Anyway, that was... Uh, I, I mean, Shawshank is such... I mean, I think people still love Forrest Gump. I, um, I don't like it that much, but I think a lot of people love Forrest Gump still. But Shawshank Redemption has... Yeah, I it's think a lot really of people's best it. favorite movie, right? Yeah. So, favorite scenes? Yeah, I'll start because I forgot about this one until just now. Misery the pig. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Why didn't yeah. they use the pig more? I, that's my only criticism Wait, was that the film. name of the pig, Misery? Yes. yes. And he named her pig Misery. I remember he wakes up and this pig is like oinking and in his face. It's a giant pig. It's amazing. 
So yeah, that's my favorite part because it's so ridiculous and terrifying, honestly. But it's cute. I like pigs. <laughs> well, I think, like I said, there's quite a few funny lines in this. And there's one line... I won't even, I won't, for if you haven't seen the movie, you probably, I'm not going to say the line. If you have seen the movie, you'll remember this, the dialogue I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I'm not going to ruin it by repeating it verbatim. But basically, Annie is trying to compare his creation to another masterpiece, a famous Italian masterpiece. And the way she refers to basically the painting of the Sistine Chapel is just priceless. It's really funny. So funny. And Kathy Bates just, I think she just believes she's that character so much. Like you can tell that she's not making fun of this character one bit, you know, she's just saying it, just yes. doing her thing. Yes. And it's very NPC, but it's also, I think, a kind of a little bit of a signal as to who this person is. She's not really very, she's not a sensitive person and she's not she's just not normal there's a little something off yeah and she she'll her emotions turn on a dime you know this idea that she's there to do anything he wants to help him her idol and the minute she thinks he's ungrateful she lets him know you know and it's just crazy and those are my favorite parts where you start to see that change in her where she calls him a dirty bird you're just another dirty bird because <laughs> she, she won't cuss even though she's pretty bad in other other ways and ends up doing some bad things she's full of anger but yeah. it's sort of like there's no place for her anger to go yeah she's got a lot of rage you know a lot of rage a lot of rage and then my favorite scene though is their fight they actually fight it's so <gasps> seldom when you see a man and a woman <laughs> punching each other and you're and like get him get him yeah and she's gone. so tough though too and you're rooting for the man yes. against the woman yeah yes. it's crazy but no it was really it's it's a good um it's worth watching. A lot of those movies from that time, they're of their time, but this one transcends it. Just the acting and the, the story is just so compelling, you know? Agree. On that note, let's get to ratings. Is that okay with you all? Sure. How many bottles of Dawn, how does she pronounce it? Perignon. Perignon, something like that. How many <laughs> bottles of Dawn Perignon would you give this movie? Um. Oh, I'd say, gosh, at least a four. Maybe a four and a half, but maybe a four. Um, it doesn't have any really profound, I guess, great statements in it, but it's thoroughly entertaining, really good characters, and the acting is is terrific. Yeah, I think I'd give it a four and a half. I think it was that good that it really, you know, just entertaining and worth watching for her performance because that's just what actors do. You know, she had a lot of theater training, and James Conn was all about the movies, you know, came in for the movie. So there was a, you could kind of sense that tension that he wouldn't reverse, rehearse his lines. And that's all she ever did. So that was, that was real, that tension between them. So that's kind of interesting that she took it out on, on him. And then later on, she came out, she left this to be on the Titanic. So there, you know, there's a nice connection there too, you know, because she was <laughs> the Molly Brown. a lot Brown. of people would have been happy yeah. to see her on yeah, the Titanic. Yeah, so she, she cleaned up her act and got on the <laughs> Titanic. So four and a half, uh, what do we call it? Don Perignons? Yeah, sure. Okay. I would also give this movie four and a half Don Perignons or however poor Annie pronounces that. Actually, not poor Annie. She's not the nicest person. But I would like to thank you guys for listening to our podcast about misery. Even though it's an old movie, it is worth the watch. 
Follow us on Instagram at strangelovemedia and visit strangelovemovies.com to ask any questions and to look at our old blog posts about every single movie we have talked about, which is over 100. 